Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. So please go check out Rogue Radio over on mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. I've been doing some guest DJ spots over there the last couple of weeks. I've been having an absolute blast doing it. Um, if you like this podcast, if you like this type of music, if you like country, if you like blues, and you want to hear new artists you haven't heard yet, head over to that station. I'm really proud of the things we're doing over there. Yeah, how are you guys doing? I hope you're having a lovely day. I've been having a blast, and I hope you are too. The weather's been nice over here. We've been going on walks, we've been doing nice things, and I hope you are as well. Yeah, it's all about that, isn't it? It's about doing what you care about, doing what you love with who you love, which is always a nice thing. Today, we are, of course, brought to you by The Next Life. That is my album. I'm going to drop in a little teaser for you now. super proud of this record it makes me you know it gave me a purpose throughout lockdown it gave me a purpose as a musician to bring an album out that I feel encapsulates where I was at that point and where I am now and yeah check out it's over on mike333west.com you can grab a copy if you'd like if you want a free digital download hit me up but we're not here to talk about me I'm here to talk to other people I've been having such a blast doing Into the Van and one of the reasons I'm having such a blast is I get to talk to people like James Reed. James Reed is a fucking phenomenal artist that I first found. He I can't remember who shared a video of his, but it was him playing Goodbye Mama on like a porch. And the groove and the lyrics were just phenomenal. And he's just one of those artists that you can't help but be enthralled by. And I've wanted to talk to him on the podcast for ages. We finally got it to happen. And I can't wait to see what this guy does next because he is a true talent. His album, The Future Ain't What It Used To Be, is out right now on Green River Records. You can listen to it on Spotify and things. We get into the recording process of it, the writing process of it, who his influences are. And it's just a phenomenal chat, guys, so I don't want to keep you too long. So without further ado, this is Into The Van, episode 33, with Mike West and James Reed. Let's do it. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. All right, brother. Thank you. Cool. cool. So we're rolling. 
and I've been All really right. excited to uh, talk to you, but I'm also dreading it because I've only just got Goodbye Mama out my head, which has been stuck in my head since like September of last year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. It's just been um, like your style and your sound, it just has this groove to it that I've hardly you, heard so on anything else really it's got that kind of like delta blues sun house rhythm to it but it's just yeah an evolution way kind of what were your aliens thank you so much oh uh, you know the, the 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 delta blues the country blues uh that's that's a huge uh i just have that in my bones you know mm. but uh you know the early i guess early influences would be kind of like a lot of people with classic the book with classic country like you know uh, uh hank senior merle haggard and Waylon Jennings, you know, mm. the, the uh, cliches these days, you know, like, but uh, that, that I was definitely um, both sides of my family. I was talking to my buddy Lance last night. We was having some beers and we were just uh, talking about how I, early classic country has been embedded in me since since the beginning of time. Like when I was a, a young tot, you know, uh, mm. so that was always in my blood. And then I like a little bit of everything. But, yeah, I got really big into the blues. And then I started learning like Towns Van Zant and Blaze Foley and like Steve Earl and Justin Towns Earl, Guy Clark just a whole nother level of the stuff, you know, in my opinion, like that, that songwriting. And then of course you could probably hear Justin Towns Earl, but he kind of did the same thing I did. Went, went back and really studied the, the country blues, you know, and the, mm. the finger, the style. You, you got to love it. You know, some, it's not everybody's cup of tea around here, but yeah, I've kind of just meshed all that together. Mm. <laughs> it's the, cool the classic country with the bluesy type of stuff. Mm. And what was kind of, do you remember when it, you first picked up a guitar? What was like, I want to be, you know, so-and-so. When did you actually start picking up a guitar and start writing your own stuff? Well, it's funny. Um, the, the guitar is different from the songwriting. Like, I, I I remember writing songs in my head ever since I was, like, six. You know, I was, I've mm. always had those words playing in my head, and I was always hanging on. Had a pretty good internal rhyme, you know, just hear something and just automatically rhyme something with it, you know. So I've had that pretty much my whole life. And I remember, like, writing, um, like, making a fake guitar when I was, like, six or seven out of cardboard, you know. And I'm actually writing a song about that, but – uh. But yeah, I didn't really pick up the guitar until I was like 19. So I think I got my first one at like 16 and then uh, pawning it to go like play pool. Um, and like I, I never I never took it serious. And I think it was like 19 or around 20, 19 or 20 is when I really, you know, sat down and learned the G, C and D and old, old like gospel songs and stuff. So, so yeah, uh, so it's kind of a, I was kind of a late bloomer, but I always knew that I like to, I like to play with words and, you know, I'm, I'm all songwriting. Mm. And like I was reading, yeah, a the uh, hillbilly hippie review. They did an artist spotlight on you, and they talked about how you kind of commiserated. Over yeah, the, I did. Yeah, you kind of commiserated over the notion that you were tormented by words. Like, what does that kind of mean to you? And where yeah. do you find yourself, like, you know, trying to struggle? Like, not necessarily trying to struggle, but when you have these words and things, what is that's going through your mind that kind of you're trying to fit this all together? Okay, that's a good question. Um, you know, I uh, I've tried to be like a normal and try to ignore the words in my head, and it's always torturing me. And but it's even more torture when you try to ignore it. So it's like a it's a you know it's a battle. Uh, but yeah, I've, I finally embraced it the last year or so. You know, and uh, and it's it's I'm getting good at it. I'm getting good at learning how to what to do with it. So it's not as much torture as it used to be. Mm -hmm. But there for a while, you know, it's just you have to go in a sometimes you have to go in a dark place to really to really find what you're trying to say you know so uh yeah it's it's a double-edged sword and sometimes i i wish i could be normal and not have like you know hang on to everybody's word and be so sensitive to every like you know thing around me but 
but yeah, it's a, I think it's, it's a beautiful curse, you know, mm. it's a, it's, there's beauty, but it's, it's definitely still torture, torturous sometimes. If you're, if you're really trying to take the song serious, I think it's, it's some of the most torturous uh, feelings, but then once you get, once you create something, it's the most beautiful thing, you know? Mm. Yeah. I know. Like sometimes I get caught up in like something happens where I feel like sad or, you know, emotive or anything. And I I'm automatically start trying to piece together like lyrics or like a phrase right. that kind of like, right. and I don't know if it's my subconscious trying to make sense of it. And the only way it kind of makes sense is to try and write it down in a lyric. So then I have to like, kind I'm of sure. be like, no, this is, I just need to feel sad for a bit, but it's still like, you'll still right. try and get a cup, like a couplet or something out of it. And it is an interesting thing when you have like those feelings and those words, always floating around to then try and put them down and use them in a cathartic way right yeah it tried that's i'm uh i'm the same way i'm, I'm we're you know we're brothers in that sense we're songwriters and we're both musicians uh but yeah uh it's it's a uh, it took for years like i didn't i was kind of confused about it. i didn't know how to actually manipulate it to to my you know to to make art um mm. so i always he- held on to those words like you're talking about feeling a certain type of way but never could. But I actually had to quit my job. I had a little bit of money saved up. I actually had to quit my job to really mm. hone in on it and really figure it out. I just never gave it that time, and it was kill. It was torture. That was a torture in itself. But uh, but yeah, I'm getting you know, I'm, I'll keep little words written down. Or I'm sure like a lot of people do that, yeah. or just in your head, or and it just usually takes that one line uh, of inspiration for for something for, to get the ball rolling. You know. Mm. And like you're saying you quit your job to pursue this more. When was like the deciding factor that when was it like it clicked and you were like, I just have to focus on this. Was it like you were starting to get, you know, more gigs or was it just, I need to focus on the song and that will lead to those shows. Right. That's a, that's a good question. I think some people, I I praise those people that can like go to work and then get off of work and and really uh, work on their art. You know, that I just, that's just not me. You know, I'm not that, I'm not that tough, I guess. I'm not that responsible, but so for, I've been doing gigs for like four and five years on and off. And um, I remember opening for like Billy Don Burns and Josh Morningstar. They're, they're pretty big names around here. They're, they're some of my heroes. And that was like three years ago, I think. And I, it was like one of the most awful sets I've ever had in my life. I I'm, I'm embarrassed myself. I was working and I just didn't get time. So I, I've tried to, I've tried to get out there, but I, and then I would get discouraged and, you know, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, it's, that was something that I had to get really used to, you know, I wasn't good at that. So, but yeah, I've tried like the last four or five years. So I think a lot of people kind of see me in the background, but I really wasn't making a lot of noise, but this past year, like right before the pandemic hit, which was, it's, that was crazy in itself. I really was like something clicked in me. Actually, I, I did uh, like to be speaking of like psilocybin and mushrooms, me and my buddy, we did a little bit one day and uh, I just woke up that next day and it was, I felt refreshing. I was like, I, I couldn't, you gotta be careful when you, when you, uh, full with those things because you'll you'll get the truth hand it to you right away you know sometimes and, and you got to be ready for that and I don't know if I was or not but I knew I was telling my buddy we was we kind of started like a little uh business together like side jobs and stuff and I, I woke I went in one day to him and I was like dude I, I gotta quit my job and I'm gonna go try to do music and he was like are you crazy you're fucking crazy and I was like no man I, I just you know I'm, I'm listening to my body I, I can't even think this anymore so yeah it was like a little bit over a year ago, I think maybe last February or maybe about a year today, I quit. I quit and I just went into writing and like I, you know, I just really and I started, you know, uh, just finding little my, you know, the more you do something, the better you get at it, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yet, uh, I was, they say, you know, uh, overnight success, it usually takes like 10 or 15 years. I, I've been really trying for about the last five years, but this, this past year, I really just was like, 
no offense to nobody, but I'm doing this for me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for no, I'm not looking for anybody's validation. That's why I was, you know, a lot of, a lot of years I was trying to write songs to, to appease people and like think about what, if they would like that or not. You just can't do that with mm-hmm. art. You kind of have to be like a, a rebel in a way, you know, you just mm-hmm. got to, kind of get out there and just kick ass and you know not take no names <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say in that same like hillbilly article it's you woke it's there's a quote where it says a uh, woke up last year case with an artistic integrity you hadn't known before is that kind oh, of oh yeah okay. uh, I, I, I knew the i know the uh the art i know the uh that what you're talking about now i couldn't place what you was talking about but yeah i did read that yeah that was kind of my own words i, I kind of put that i think that was on my um i think i put that on my music page but yeah and i kind of stole that from guy clark he he said He's like a, uh, he was, he I heard him say something about a growing artistic integrity. And, and I understood that, you know, I kind of, I didn't understand that before, but then one day when you, when you, when you understand that, then you know exactly what he, what he's talking about, you know, like the, the shit ain't going away. And then, so it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to actually give it some time and really try to try to work on it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Man, I think it's, so, it's really important when yeah. that clicks in for people. Like I know, you know, I've like, when I first started out, it was, you know, the cover bands, the tribute bands, they're the big, acts they always bring the money in and stuff and when you get booked for a gig if especially if you've got an acoustic guitar people are demanding that you play x y or z and obviously i'm around liverpool way so the amount of beatles requests i got and shit i i've i it's got to the point Mm -hmm. where i was like i haven't learned these out of spite i'm never gonna learn these fucking songs because i'm playing my shit and it was when it was kind of right because i'd done gigs where i'd pandered and i'd played like a lumineers song and i like the lumineers but i don't want to play them like I don't no, play other. I love the one here, but I don't want. To and it's right when you start realizing that, and you're like, "Well, no, I'm not gonna do that, and I'm not gonna gig there, I'm not gonna play that type of stuff." You start to solidify your own artistic voice, and you feel more confident. Like yeah. it may bite you in the ass at some point, but you can live with yourself and your art a lot better and a lot quicker when you do that. Right, and then you'll find you'll find the people that'll keep you going, like they love that, they want to hear your originals, you know. And those people are, are, are God sent, you know, uh, yeah, I've had that same, I've had that same dealings. Um, like if, even when I play covers, they're obscure and nobody really knows them. So, uh, yeah, I, I canceled a gig cause I, I turned down a gig not too long ago. Actually, we, we took it, uh, and they asked to make sure I play covers that people know. And it pissed me off. It's just like, you know, I don't want to be told what to play. Yeah. And, uh, so I told my buddy, I, I got my, I brought my buddy on board and I said, let's play all originals. Just, I was trying to be like a, you know, a badass, but it worked out and it was, it was a good gig, but, uh, that's why I love. I played at the venue. Uh, shout out to them in Moorhead, Kentucky. It's a beautiful, a beautiful place. But uh, that owner is like one of the first ones recently that said, "I want you to play all originals. I would rather you not play no covers." Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, "I'm, I'm, I'm getting to where I want to go," you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I love, I love Tyler Childers. I love Sturge. Like, I, I love Lumineers as well. But you know, I just, I'm not into playing the, most of their songs. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like even like the covers, I do know. Like I really like. Chris Christopherson's like one of my favorite ever songwriters and I do like yeah. chase the feeling and I'll never play Sunday morning coming down because it's like, if you want a deep cut, I'll do that shit. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that song. I, I do, I'll do a couple of Chris Christopherson songs in my sets, but uh, it's, they're kind of like not known as, as well. Uh, like best of all possible yeah. worlds and uh, kiss the world goodbye. That's a couple of Chris. I, I'll throw in there every once in a while, but it's not the ones that most people know anyway, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's, I, you know, I don't, I hate to, I don't want to be like an asshole or nothing, but I, I, like you said, you, you understand. That's why, that's why we're brothers because you understand that like, you know, uh, I, you know, that's a beautiful thing when an artist takes control of it and it's like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm giving you my art. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, that's you know that's that's what I I'm I'm known for that. Even like people say that the covers that I do, they they still don't even know what they are. So they probably thought I wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And with your originals, what was kind of the first song that you felt really gained traction in, like your ear or it shows? Because the first video I ever saw of you was the Goodbye Mama one that I think JJ Waters shared. Yeah. Was that the first yeah. song that people kind of gravitated towards? I mean, I'd say so. Um, I've, I've, I think I wrote my, the, the first one that stands out that I'm actually uh, halfway proud of when it was like 10 years ago. And uh, a lot of my friends around here, they've heard me play that song and I, nobody knows it now. But but as, as far as recently, I would say, yeah, Goodbye Mama. Like, it's just some, everybody like people, you know, like it starts off talking about all I need is a good bag of weeds. And like people who don't even smoke weed, they, you know, they, they, they bob their head to it. And then, so I'd say, yeah, that's that song. I mean, I, the last few shows I've played in, like a, there's, there's starting to be a, a crowd singing along, which is one of the best feelings in the world, you know. So I would say, yeah, that one, that that was probably the one of the ones that's just it stayed around, you know. It's it's just it's not went nowhere, you know. I've got a lot that people know. I've got a handful that people know, but I would say, yeah, goodbye, mama. It's just something something about that. I guess the the, the catchy tune or like the up, upbeat tune. I would say that's the yeah. I would say that I would have to go with that one for sure. Hey man, I remember, like you shared a video the other day of you playing that live, and there was a dude singing along to it. I remember just gr- okay. I remember just grinning ear from ear because like ear to ear because I know how much that means to an artist when an original songs accept that much. So I was like so stoked for you that like at that level, even you know one in however many right. is like singing along to one of your songs. That's like an incredible thing. Yes, and that's something really new. That's something I've been I've been kind of burning up the pavement and doing trying to play all over you know states around and stuff. But that's kind that's something kind of new. Uh, when you go out of town and you don't hardly know nobody and they're singing your songs, like that's one of the best feelings I've ever I've ever felt in my life. You know, mm-hmm. it just validates what what I'm doing. You know, I've kind of turned my family upside down with all this and like everything's so uncertain. Other than music, like music's kind of went, you know started climbing, but uh, but yeah, that but that kind of moments like that validates it all. It's like you know people are people are listening and they're starting to know your songs. I never you kind of don't fathom that until it happens. You know, it's it's kind of hard to understand until that happens. And what is like the live situation like in Kentucky? Because there seems to be uh, not necessarily a resurgence, but there seems to be a lot of artists of a great caliber at the moment that seem to be just like on, really... on the rise. Do you think that's helped? Yeah. Like, are there a load of venues in Kentucky that you can play originals at? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there, there is. I stay. I know. The, I'm starting to learn the ones that that are are that way. You know, so, uh, but. There is something special going on right here, man. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've I've played in Tennessee, Ohio, West Virginia, around. You know, and there's a lot of great talent around there. Uh, out west, I'm starting to get you know network out there and, and understand. But every single state, tell like a, somebody from Georgia just messaged me yesterday, wanting to set up a gig, and they're just like, whatever's going on in Kentucky right now, you know, there's something special. And um, I would I would have to give that to Chris Stapleton and uh, and then Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers, man. I think they kind of set the stage. They've all, you know, was nominated for Grammys uh, and, and done, done things that you you can't think of with most of them stayed kind of independent or, you know, yeah. wasn't on the radio that much, you know? And uh, so I think that at first it kind of, when Tyler Childers come out, it, it, he, he just turned everything upside down. Like there's, he just inspired all of us. And he, he actually made a lot of people quit uh, writing songs. I've, I've heard so many people, which is kind of crazy, but they were like, he's so good. I'm quitting writing, which that's, they, they don't, they're not getting what it's really about, you know, yeah. but, but yeah. Um, That's crazy. Man. It kind of got stagnant. Then. Mm. I'm telling you, like, I literally, like, I know like a hundred, a hundred so-called songwriters said that. And I was just like, dude, you don't understand. Like 
you do it for you, you know. Yeah. You can't. It's not a. You can't. Like you can't compare your art to somebody else's. Like I know Towns Van Zandt exists and existed at some point, so you know right. that is right. like, enough to never pick up a guitar again if you really right. want to. Exactly. <laughs> That's a really, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm I'm a huge town. Like I, you know, I'm a sucker for town. Anything Towns Van Zandt. So. If that's a good point. Like if 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 I didn't, you know, if you don't quit, uh, he well, he wasn't like the last one who did it, and then nobody ever did it again. You know, it's it's uh everybody's everybody's arts needed in this world. But um, but yeah, he Tyler did come out. You know, he did his song. His song crafting is is really a, a, a high high level. And then it got stagnant around here, and like nobody, it was like everybody was gun shy or scared to to come out with stuff. But mm. then I remember thinking, I was like, I'm. I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this because I was really, you know, coming coming into my own. Uh, but then something happened through the pandemic, man. And we're, we're there's just I think we are all start to inspire each other. So, uh, but yeah, there's like a huge scene right now going on, and it's just it's a beautiful thing, you know. And I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, man, because the Kentucky scene is what's inspired like me and Josh Bettis and folks in the UK to like start trying to actually carve things out. And I've talked to a fair few people from Minnesota and the Kentucky scene is kind of spoken within such high regard because, you know, you've got yourself, Walt DeBar, Katie Meadows, Lance Rogers, Logan Halstead. You've got a state of fucking phenomenal artists. I'm telling you, you've been in, I've been having this conversation so much, Yeah, but you've been obviously around and about for, a while now have you seen has it been in like the last three to five years it's just amped up and amped up and has that impact yeah. on venues and the actual fans because i think you know everyone not necessarily wants to find the next tyler childers but they want to find right. someone of that caliber so have people like in the area taken advantage of the original music scene more man it, it's like happening so quick right now that it's hard to it's hard to even kind of put in the words because like i'm in the middle of it mm. but there is something i've just had like conversation i've had it so many times with so many people from overseas and all over the states so there's i'm finally i'm we had like i was telling you with me and my buddy was having some beers last night we talked we talked about this for hours uh about how like it's weird to because we're right in the middle of it you know lance lance rogers come up with me through the pandemic and he's we're a little bit older than everybody else you know everybody's walk walks of life is different you know but uh we, you know, we're just, we're, it's, we're honored to be a part of it, but it's, it's, it's hard to talk about because yeah. it's kind of going on right now. But yeah, uh, I, this, as far as the Saint, like, I don't know if it's the venues. I don't think it's the venues as much that's, there is a lot, there is some good venues and there's, there's good festival. Like they set up good festivals around here and, you know, Kentucky's a beautiful, really green and like, it's a beautiful place and it's a special place to me. But uh, I think it's, I don't know. It's just, the, uh, it's just the, the artistic integrity of the, I think we're all kind of like, rising each other up you know mm. and uh and i i'd have to give that to like i said tyler Coders and sturgill simpson that that kind of showed us that you don't have to be on, go to nashville and be on the radio to uh to make to make to make some noise you know mm. and that's that's before before like those guys like i think everybody thought you have to go to nashville you have to uh play the play the game and be on you know getting to the big machine and then when you see somebody that you know that makes it so big and, and they have a, like a huge following that that did it their own way I think that inspired me. I think it inspired a lot of other people, but, but yeah, there's, I think we all just, it's just, so, I think that's when um, something like a renaissance or something happens when you just get a lot of like-minded people mm. that lift each other up at the same time, you know, instead of trying to bring each other down. And uh, so, yeah, um, yeah, but the venues are great too. There is a lot of venues you can play originals. You, there's a lot of good, like open mics. You can, there's probably a place every night you can go and play your songs. Original. So I guess I don't, to me, that's something normal, but I don't, it might be something, it might be special around here, but mm. there's always a place, uh, open mic, 
that that's that's a, there's a crowd there to listen to your originals if you if you want to play. So I guess that I guess that is uh, it's all all of that together makes it special. I believe. Mm, cool man, and like with like I, I have no concept of space or distance when it comes to America, but with you guys in Kentucky, how far away are you from? Say like Katie or Walter or the other guys. They're all just like a they're all just like an hour and a half, two hours, mm-hmm. a couple hours away. Yeah, yeah, it, it's they're now they're um some yeah about. But with Katie, he, she's right up uh, on the border, over the border. Like maybe she might be three hours away, and then Walter's like two hours this way, so or out west or east. So we're, they're not too far away, you know. Mm. But for whatever reason, like they, I feel like they're they're kind of in Kentucky because there's a they we've kind of adopted them for sure, you know. <laughs> so yeah. With kind of like gigging, do you have like necessarily a plan where you go? I'm going to play, you know, Kentucky and start to move to the states that like border it. Do you have kind of a touring plan or? A, gig and plan to reach new people and reach new audiences that's a good question yeah i've kind of uh kentucky wasn't as like uh accepted or receptive to me there for a while i think it's just they seen me like try it one year and then quit and then try it another year and quit so i i think they they, they gave up on me around here which i you know i, I know I, I you know uh, to each his own or whatever but uh so i've kind of started getting fans from out of states uh around and it kind of brought my 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 people around here uh on the uh, on board or whatever but yeah i just was like uh right when stuff started opening up late last year a little bit um uh, i would try to go to ohio as much as i could west virginia or tennessee you know now we're going out me and uh, lance rogers we're going out west in may next uh yeah in may uh we got a little west tour we're gonna do so uh but yeah that that did that was that thought was in my head to try to go out and expand around you know mm. so but so yeah, we're going out west in May. We're gonna end at the the Mercury Lounge. It's a pretty cool. It's like a prestigious place. You know, a lot of yeah, and, a lot and, of my favorite. Tulsa. Yeah, Tulsa. Yeah, in Tulsa. I, I yeah, I am one of the don't let your cowboys grow up to be racist tops from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully they get some more of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dug that shirt. Yeah, that was a cool shirt. But yeah, uh, I've been wanting to play there for like for a couple of years. You know, and it's hard it's hard to get into places like that. But but yeah, that uh, uh, I forgot to mention Indiana. There's a, a place called the Red Bicycle in um, Indiana. It's great. It's a great venue. I opened for the like the rock band them Dirty Roses recently, mm-hmm. and I got so much I got so much attention and like so much love and people messaging me after the show. So just little moments like that, and it was a great one of the best nights of my life. But you don't you don't think at the time you don't think that you know you might get a handful of people that's going to follow you, and then you look up and go to Ohio and get that same man. You look up and you just got people from all over. That's you know. Uh, so it's just. You know, I, I, it was in my head to to to, uh, to do that, but I just kind of just started doing it, and not even you know, just anywhere I could go. Uh, Josh, I know Josh Morning Story. To go back to him, he always said that in, play anywhere that'll have you. You know, if you can get there, mm. just play anywhere that'll have you. And I've really kind of stuck to my guns on that. You know, uh, the the pay is getting better for sure. But somebody asked me yesterday, uh, a hundred dollar gig, and I, I I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. You know, like uh, I know everybody talks about the hundred dollar gigs around here, like that's like the cliche thing, but uh. You know, uh, but I just remember, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't want to get big headed. I just want to keep, just keep putting my name out there, you know? Mm. And I think, I think that that pays off with, with anything you do in life. If you can do, if you can get there, you know, you don't want to break yourself, but if you can get there, even if you come out negative, like if you had to pay your own gas to get there, you know, that was my, that was my game plan just to get out, like, you know, uh, mm. and just get out and play anywhere that's going to happen. So I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, man, it's definitely, and it's like swings and roundabouts because sometimes a venue might only be offered, like able to offer you a certain amount, but you know that that venue has 
a great crowd or a great oh. reputation. So you, right. you you do the math and you had to be like, that will balance out. Well, if you know it's a shit gig for right. $100, you're like, that's not worth it to me. And it's all about like learning which ones to say yes to, even if it is slightly like different. Like I remember- That is so cool. Like I drove up to Aberdeen, which is like six hours away for 50 quid because I'd be opening for a Wee more, like Cecil Allen more. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be fun as fuck. Like, let's do it because- Especially in the UK, we don't have that many country music gigs. So I'm always willing to try. Okay. Further, I remember. Cool. Yeah. Like Jason Eady came over and he only played London. And um, I really wanted to support that. And I messaged a promoter and the promoter had actually been recommended me from someone. And he was like, I didn't think you'd drive it because it was like four hours away. And I was like, I'll fucking drive it that like to do that type of gig <laughs> and to get that type of. Like, yeah, Jason Eady, I'm, I'm a big fan of his too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you see, you get it. Uh, now, I will say I have to, I have to uh, talk shit about a lot of people around here. Like, they, they're quick to, like, say no. And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, see, that's, the, that's what – I guess that's the difference of us because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build something, and that's an investment, you know. Mm. Like, Jason, it, he, he's, he's even big. You know, he's big over here. I'm sure, I'm sure y'all, you know, he's got a following over there. But uh, I would have done the same thing. I would have drove four hours to open for him or played with him, you know, for free. <laughs> um but yeah, there's, there's, that's an, you're just putting an investment in your, in your art and your, in your, what you're trying to build, you know, that's a, uh, those, some of those shows, some of the biggest shows, I, I kind of took it for hardly nothing, you know, they, they said the budget's not there, but you could open for it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it paid off. It definitely paid off. So, mm. so I don't, yeah, a lot of people kind of get spoiled pretty quick to, they're like, ah, oh, it's, they don't pay or it's, it's you got to drive. And I'm, I'm always going to be the one that's just going to get in, get in the car and just and head and go and just see what happens, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. Because like a pub gig can pay well, but everyone's drunk, no one's paying attention. But if you go do a gig for like sure. fifty quid or something, and you know you find like ten people right. who give a shit and buy like a hundred right. pounds worth of merch, and then fucking share yeah. all your shit on social media, that's so much more invaluable than you know being screamed over by drunk dudes. Oh, for sure, for sure. You and I think what the, the more you do this, the the more you'll learn that you know, like if you get a list, you can get a listening room. I would rather do that for damn near nothing than, than uh, to have, you know, like you said, to make three or $400 or two, whatever, whatever they're paying around here. Uh, and just a bunch of rowdy people that's not listening. It's going to ask for covers wants you to play free bird and stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but with your touring and your book, do you, are you still booking everything yourself? Are you booking all the dates and reaching out to venues? Yeah. Uh, so Becky Owens, she's like a sister to me. She come on board. She, 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 uh, started counterculture productions and she's kind of been, she's been helping me a lot. Uh, and with, uh, so like we kind of network together. She, she's, she's not, we don't say she's my manager or anything, uh, but she is, she promotes her. She comes to my shows and, and helps me and promotes me and gets everything going and might help me sell merch or whatever. And then she kind of, she, uh, she'll put her business name in there, you know, she'll, she'll network with her business as well. So, it's kind of been a good partnership, but yeah, for the uh, 95% of the shows I've done in the last year, I've, I've, I've booked them all myself. I've just kind of uh, bugged people, bugged the shit out of people. And they, you know, and they didn't, that, that didn't work at first, but then they, I, like that goodbye mama started coming out and I, I had some videos that people actually liked and a few numbers on there. So then that, that helped. But yeah, luckily like uh, a lot of people have trouble booking, but I've just kind of been persistent about it and, and bugging the hell out of venues. But, but a lot of the, I've been getting big, way bigger gigs and, other people's been helping me with that, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's like the wild, wild west, you know, you don't, there's not really like no one set way to do, yeah. do it. You know, you just kind of get out there and what, it's, it's funny how a person uh, 
can put if they really believe something and they put their mind to something and 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 you know kind of get grow a chip on their shoulder where they're serious and they got something to prove like it's man like anything can happen. I, I believe anything can happen if if like if I, if I see a you know if you or one of my friends tell me that they're going after something whatever it may be it might be the most craziest thing in the world but if I you know if they got that look in their eye I'm you know I'm not a hater like a lot of people just like oh you're crazy you need to keep your job and you know do this and do that but life is so short man and I just don't I don't take life as uh near as serious as I used to so yeah I, I, there's something to be said about like pounding the pavement and just going after something and you know and, and it just kind of works out the universe kind of pays you back for it you know yeah man definitely I think like when you have a vision and you have like a drive to it like you can dream as much as you want but you also have to put all the work in which is what you've done and it's what like i've done yeah. with all like the stuff i've been doing but it's it is i don't I know love if, it all but i don't know if it's like a lot of people say out of love or a place of like care and where they're like don't do that because you need to be safe you need to have a job you need to do that and they don't realize right. that that's probably the worst thing they can say someone like they yes. you need to have that person to go fuck it do it like what's the worst that can happen yes. because in this day and age what is the worst that can happen if you follow your dream yeah exactly like uh you're gonna you're gonna you be left with a lot of regrets as an old man maybe if you if you're lucky to be an old man uh that's that's the worst that's the worst thing that can happen you know like if you don't go after it like you know sitting there on your deathbed with a bunch of regrets of i should have would have could have but you know i come from a family like i love i love both sides of my family. And I think there's a lot of talented people in my family, but nobody, nobody was ever dared to dream, you know, and uh, not just my family, but a lot of my friends, families. And like, I've just not, I've not known many people that, that w- was that brave to go off and try to do the impossible, you know? So I think that was always in the back of my head growing up. And I always felt like, you know, I was, I, was, I knew I wasn't a nine to five type of guy. I, I, I tried to fake it for a long, as long as possible, you know, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's, I think uh, just like seeing my nieces and nephews and my children, uh, and there's not nobody in our family from generation after generation that, that ever dared to do anything great like that. And uh, so I think that I took all that into consideration and a lot of, a lot of mushrooms and a lot of <laughs> thinking and a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of uh, just finding, you know, looking for answers, reading the, the old philosophers, you know, just, I was just looking for some answers in, in life and it, and it brought me right back to music, you know, cause I quit there for a little bit, but it all, it all circled right around the music. So was there any like, obviously seeing your family and things, was there a defining perspective or a defining moment that you were like, I need to take this with all hands, obviously with like, like mushroom trips are so beneficial and everyone should do one at least like, yeah, for sure. a couple of times in their life. But was there a, yeah. like a time where you were like, I just need to do this now? Yeah. Uh, it all kind of was like, cause like I said, I quit. I had writer's block forever. I, you know, I was telling you I always have words, but there, there was a time like, like a year or a year and a half, uh, that I had writer's block. And then I, I tried to start my business with my buddy, you know, and then my, my grandmother passed and me and her was real close and just life was kind of just changing. So I started looking for answers and I, and I still decided that I wasn't doing music. I hardly ever picked guitar up. And this wasn't that long ago, maybe like a year and a half, two years ago. But, um, uh, I just did a lot of reading and like a lot of studying the greats, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I, something, yeah, it all like, I was coming full circle in my life, not even thinking about music. And right when I was, I was feeling conf, uh, confident in who I was becoming and just, I was, I felt wiser, you know, and it just took me right back to music. But uh, yeah, there was, there was a moment, like I said, I, you know, I quit my job. So I was, I was definitely serious about it. I was making decent money. And uh, I remember telling my mom and my sister and my dad that, and they thought I was crazy. Like 
they didn't even say you're crazy. They just like, they were speechless. They, there was, there was no, there was no, no uh, answer at all on the other end. And that really pissed me off, you know, but and it, now it don't, it just, I, I realized that, you know, it's, it, it is kind of, it's hard to fathom, you know, it's hard to take in. Like when you're like, you know, you got, you know, you're, they're used to me working and being this per this certain person. And then all of a sudden I'm telling everybody, I told my friend, I quit my job. I told my family that I was like, look, I'm going to go chase this music thing and I'm going to do it serious this time. And they've already seen me try it a couple of times before. So, you know, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to, I got to, I'll give myself about a couple of years before I can maybe start making decent money. And it's actually happened way quicker than I, than I was expecting. But yeah, there was something that, you know, as far as the day, I think, I don't know if it was an exact moment. Now there was actually a, uh, there was a moment that I went out with all my, I was doing that business with my buddy working my ass off. I was going, leaving and it was dark and I was getting home and it was dark, you know? And, uh, I, there was like a little birthday party my cousin had and there was all of the, my nieces and nephews. And I looked around and I was like, I'm never going to, I don't ever see these, these kids. And uh, I was trying to do that, that, that uh, construction business or whatever. And I was already thinking about music. And that was, I think that was the defining factor. I was like, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I want to give these, all the young people in my family, somebody that they, that they can at least say, you know, my uncle or whoever tried to get out there and, and do, do the impossible, you know? So I'm, I, that sticks in my head a lot, being at that birthday party and seeing all my kids and nieces and nephews. I ain't seen them in forever. And I was like, you know what? And I was already contemplating music again. So there was a, there's actually, a, a, there was a couple moments now that I think about it. Mm. Uh, I haven't really thought about it in a while, but yeah, there was not, maybe not one, one exact day, but there was a couple, a couple weeks, about maybe a month in there where I was just really thinking about doing the impossible. And then the word started coming back to me and, you know, and it's fun. It was fun again. So yeah, man, I think that's a, uh, you know, that was, that's my story as far as, as far as like really taking it serious and being like, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking, I'm not putting my art in anybody's hand anymore. I'm not looking for validation. I, you want everybody to love what you do, you know, but you know, one person, you know, artists are sensitive and one person could like crush your, crush your soul with, with saying something, you know, and they don't know that like people, that's why I'm, I'm real uh, picky about it. I, I, you don't, you're not even the, the bullshit they play on the radio. I can't stand it. You know, it makes my stomach turn between me and you, but I'm never going to like, I, I don't, I'm not going to shit on nobody's art. You know, it's, there's a definitely a, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, platform for everybody out there, but, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing when somebody can just uh, decide that they're going to do something and actually go do it. And uh, I think a lot of people feed off of that, you know? Yeah, man. It's definitely inspiring. Like I remember like before I started getting into this seriously, I was in a job that I fucking hated. And I was like coming home yeah. every day, just miserable to the point of like tears. I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? And it was, I was just sat there one day on my lunch and some article popped up about, um, it was like the three new country musicians saving country music. And it was Stapleton, okay. Sturgill and Isbel. And I think it was like 23, okay. 26. And I was like, oh yeah. shit. And you kind of see people circumvent the industry and do what they want. And at that time, yeah. I'd already, you know, was listening to a shit ton of like blues and Johnny Cash and Christopherson and just like, oh, that's the one I was like, why the fuck wouldn't like, and it was like, and everything started forming in my head. I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't I do this? Because the other option is me being right. miserable for the rest of my fucking life. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, man, I, I remember that article and that, that article inspired me too. The, I remember the, the three, the three big dogs, um, uh, um, uh, what I was going to say, uh, but yeah, that's for sure. You, you, I can tell. Look, look at you now. You got road country, and like, uh, you know, you're doing the podcast. You, you're playing your music. You know, you you seem happy and at peace. There's there's a peace with when you start chasing that. There's like a peace from within that comes yeah. that you never felt 
you never felt before until you start actually going after that, you know? Yeah, man. So, and like, I don't know about you, but I got like asked stuff where it was like, you know, they'd be like, what are you up to on the weekend? I'm like, I'm doing a gig Friday, the gig Saturday, gig Sunday, come home Monday, gig Tuesday. And they were like, why? Like, are you okay? Are you going to rest at any point? Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't I do that? It's the thing I love to do the most in the world. Right. Like, it's not right, a for me to have to drive like however many hours to do a gig. I will do that every goddamn day. It's a chore for me to have to come into a nine to five every goddamn day. Fuck yeah, dude. You preach it, brother. For <laughs> sure, man. Like it, like exactly like, you know, anytime I ever, like I'm like, fuck, I don't, I don't get a lot of sleep or I'm, I'm going and going and going, but driving down the road to another town, meeting new faces. And like, that, that feels like you're, you're actually living, you know, like mm. there's, there's a beauty to that. And, you know, it can, it can get, a, it can get a little uh, rugged at times, but, I always remember the back of my head, like you said, like, why not? I, would I rather be at that shitty job in tears, like you said? Because I've been there many times at, at jobs like that. So, uh, yeah, like people, you know, a lot of people are never going to get it and understand that. And that's okay, you know? Mm. I also think a lot of it is you see the mainstream way that music's presented and you see that, like, the big way for people or the main way that people get famous is, like, the Adele or the Ed Sheeran way, which is, like, they're dead small for a minute and then they blow up and they're doing stadiums. And people think it's, right. like, a feast or famine situation for musicians not knowing you can make a living in a career, you know, with, you know, a few thousand people knowing your name. As long as enough people give a shit, you don't have to be. Send out stadiums. And I remember a lot of people kind of view success as being, like, on the voice or, like, that type yeah. of thing. And there's so many different avenues and for independent musicians, that's what I really dig about yourself in the Kentucky scene is it's independent musicians helping each other to create a scene and support themselves, which is an invaluable right. thing for the world to see, I think. For sure, man. You said it, you said a mouthful there. Like everybody thinks that doesn't know uh, that you got to go like some, I still get like almost every other day, go to the voice, go to the voice, go to American Idol and shit, you know? And it used to piss me off, but now I get it. Like I told one of my mom's friends said that the other day. And I know it's a compliment. Like it's, it's a odd compliment to me, but, um, but I told her, I said, I've already made it. Like I'm, I'm out here playing, I'm playing, I'm making my livelihood off of music. And it, of course it's not near as much as I was making, but it's still, uh, you know, it's, there's a beauty to that. And I, I told her, I was like, I've already made it. So, and I was kind of being a smart ass, which I was, it's, I was being truthful too, but, but yeah, everybody that, that doesn't know thinks that you have to, you know, big, the big machine in Nashville or like play stadiums or you're, I've, I've, I've been finding that out. There's, there's ways to make money. Like you can still make a pretty good living, you know, uh, with merch and just finding ways and networking and just, you know, and, and the, the gigs slowly get a little bit more and more, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not in it for the money. Like I'm, I'm not a man of money anyway. So like, like that's never going to, that's never going to run me. Uh, so like, I feel like I've already made it. Like I've been, I've been trying to do what I'm doing now for the last five years and I've never had no luck at it. So like, but yeah, uh, there's a beauty to that, man. Uh, just people that's out there, like you said, independent and like, we're all supporting each other and, you know, we're making it, making shit happen. We're not, you know, the majority of us or maybe none of us are ever going to get on that big stage and that's okay with me. You know, I'm not, I don't think I would, I would be good on that in that platform anyway. I don't know, but, but yeah, uh, there's definitely, you can definitely make a, a, a good living being an independent artist, you know? Mm. Uh, is there any like career goals that you like wanted to take off that you have like obviously you've like got the mercury lounge like coming up and stuff has there anything yeah, been I in mean, your mind that's been like wild enough to think about because i know like my wembley stadium moment is there's a venue in manchester called the ritz and that's where i've seen like every band like i don't give a fuck about playing wembley my goal is to play there right 
Is there anything right, like right. that in your head? Oh, yeah. Exactly, dude. Like, uh, you know, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, and there's Rupp Arena. Like, that's – I don't think I'll, – I'll, I'll probably never be in there. But, like, uh, man, there's Manchester Music. I've kind of, like, crushed all of them. I, I need to go back and, like, set some new goes because, like, this shit's happened so fast. Like, like the Mercury Lounge, uh, Red Bicycle, those those venues, I try to reach out to them. And that's – those – you know, I, I tell you, I reach out to all the venues and try to set up stuff. But you can't do that to those type of venues. You know, you got to – you got to be like a national act and you got to, you got to uh, be, you have to be at this certain level, you know? So I, I remember reaching out to the red bicycle at the early, early on in the pandemic last year. And it's, it, it's in Indiana and it's like an 1830 building. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty venue. And then fast forward like a month ago, I played, I played it and it was a sold out show and it was kind of overwhelming and surreal when I, when I stood, stood up there and started playing my first chord, I was like, you know, this ain't this ain't the pub where everybody's yeah. drunk and shit. Like this is something real, you know. With Mercury Lounge, like places like that. But I played Manchester Music Hall. It's in Lexington and Arlo McKinley. Are you familiar with Arlo? He's yeah. big around here. Uh, he was he was playing the Borough right across the street, you know. So yeah, so like I've I've kind of crushed everything. I, I didn't think it was gonna be this fast. So like I need to go back and like uh, reassess my goals yeah. <laughs> and set some higher ones. But, yeah. but yeah, like I, I mean, I'm I'm gigs are just you know when you, like I say when there's something about when you're really serious about getting out there and pounding that pavement. Uh, it's it's the universe just has been paying me back tenfold and so i've yeah like like a manchester music hall and like uh setting up a tour and to go out west and playing in different states and getting people actually singing my songs like all those are, have been dreams of mine and it's just you know it's just it's coming it's coming to light which is so i'm just i'm like a kid in a candy store <laughs> that's so cool man like i'm so excited to finally get back gig and i think everything's meant to open up in the uk around june july and i'm okay like like I'm kind of going to be saying to my partner, I'm like, I've been in since fucking March. I'm, I'm not coming back for a while because I'm so excited uh, yeah. to get back on like the road and start getting right. in. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. My buddy, he set up like a, a tour because stuff's starting to really open up now, you know, with the vaccines and stuff. So I think he just set up a tour all the way up to like December. So he's like, he literally, <laughs> he ain't coming back. <laughs> he's not coming back to the end of the year. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I, I don't blame you, man. Like, you know, it's, I'm sure have, uh, how how was it for you you know as far as like was there like a lot of de- depression and uh stuff going around like in the your music friends and stuff or yeah it's been it's been hard like a lot of people have just been like not motivated in any way and i think that it's hard when a, like if a musician has a mindset that the only thing they can do is live shows if live shows get taken away yeah. from them they're like well what the fuck have i got but i've been kind of right. lucky in like I've always enjoyed looking at where gaps in like the market are. Like I have like a marketing sense of what to do. And I was going to start this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I had the idea for it in 2019. I was like, I'm going to do this like, because I want to. Okay. And then when the pandemic hits, I was like, Oh shit, I've got this to just keep on going with. Obviously I released a record during the pandemic and things, but I had those goals and okay. those, like tasks to just keep everything grinding and i think if a lot of people were just sat there being like well i can't i'm not really bothered to write a song because i don't have anywhere to play it to so a lot of people i think fell into that spiral of what's the point at the moment and it has been rampant have, for sure has that been affecting like your scene as well yeah that's funny you said uh go back to my buddy me and lance rogers last night we were sitting there having some beers and uh we talked about all this shit we're talking about today it was a great it was a great conversation but we talked about that. Like we was kind of disheartened by like, uh, like big names didn't get on there and just like, you know, lift the people up, you know, lift all their fans up. They got them to the dance up and just get on there and do like some shitty video, like some live, not even a whole live session or nothing, just a song, you know, 
like people fed, fed off that. So, but then I get it. Like I, I, I was kind of bitter about that. Like how some what, lot, a lot of bigger names that now they've already made it and I, they just come up miss, you know, MIA and uh, nowhere to be found. Mm. And, but then I you know, start thinking, like you said, that's their, they was torn and making all that money and they, they was living their dream. And all of a sudden it just gets taken away. And it probably put a lot of, like you said, they just kind of went into hiding and in a, in a spiral. But I guess, like I said, there's a, there's a handful like me and Lance, we just, we didn't really have our, we didn't build didn't build a following just yet, so we was able to get out there a little bit more. Um, because if I had a following at the time, now I probably wouldn't couldn't have done it. But if I had a following, you know, you can't you can't be liable. You, it's just bad business to try to do stuff in a, in a pandemic. But we were just out there on our own, you know, nobody coming. So uh, we put out a lot of, you know, there was a handful of people that I remember putting out a lot of music. I, I, every time I'd write one, I would just try to put it. And then I, had, I did a little Facebook show on uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. So you know, I, I was playing a lot, but. But I understand the majority of the majority of artists around here kind of did that. They went into a spiral and they're like, you know, what's the nihilistic and like, what's the use? And their, you know, their 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 livelihood was taken away. So I understand that, too, man. But yeah, it's 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 definitely like it shook up a lot of it shook up everybody, you know, a lot, a lot of depression, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of things was that a lot of darker things was happening. But like hopefully uh, everything's getting going again. Yeah, man, I think it goes back to the same people who, like, when Tyler hit the scene and people start giving up, it's like, if you aren't going to weather this and, like, try to carry on, like, you don't really want it that much anyway. Like, there's nothing in the world that would make me stop this. You get it. You get it. Yeah, that's what I That's what I told a lot of people when I tell that story because I was just telling somebody else that, like, literally, like, I felt like a hundred different songwriters just like, okay, I give up and I'm like, okay, where well, you wasn't, you wasn't a real one. You don't really have that in you then, you know, no offense, but you're, 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 a, you know, you're, you're half-assing it and you probably shouldn't. I remember he did make me think, like, I remember him thinking, he made me think a couple of times, like I, I got work to do, you know, I need to go, I need to go within even more and find the, find, cut off the fat, cut off the fat to the, some songs and stuff. But uh, I never, I'm like you, I'm never once was like, ah, you know, if I was going to do that, then it would be after listening to Towns Van Zandt, like yeah. you said earlier. <laughs> yeah that's the thing man if like if you wanted to be a songwriter and took like john prine's first record and talent's first record and listened to them and um, you could you could give up because like what can be said of, <laughs> of those things but you, yeah you have to have like your own voice and your own spin on it and that's why i don't get yeah. where, like if someone gave up from just that and it's the same thing with the pandemic it's like it's an obstacle but it's no more of an right. obstacle than a fucking empty bar room that you're playing to just get it done. Exactly, man. And you know, I, that's why uh, I, I, we would get along if we was hanging out, man. We, cause you get that, you, you, you know, it takes that certain type of uh, strength inside to get it. And like nothing's going to, nothing's going to stop me from doing this until the day I die. You know, mm. that's why look, you started podcast in the pandemic. Uh, you did, you started that this past year, right? Yeah, man, it, year. The first episode came out in March last year. I'd started recording in February and then I had enough of a backlog that weathered me through the initial lockdown. Okay. And then I started reaching out to people online and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, like, you know, like you, you kind of, we kind of have that in common work, you know, in a pandemic, we're starting to do, to be innovative and do new, do, do shit, you know? So, so like maybe we're just crazy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I talked to my partner about it. And it's just it's just not an option to not do it. It's not an option. To no, not, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. With, it's simply, it's simply cool. Yeah, with like you brought out the record featuring what it used to be. Was that December? Was that I can't remember the exact. Uh, November. 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 What was the reaction yeah. like to that when it came out? Because obviously you released it during the pandemic. Like was right. That- yeah. I, I- 
yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, it was kind of weird releasing music in, in a pandemic, but, uh, you know, I got a lot of, that's the first one I've actually ever, you know, I, I had, a, I have an old one on Bandcamp that it's, I, I love the songs on there, but me and my buddy did it and it's kind of, it makes me cringe sometimes, you know, we just, we just do it together in his basement. But, uh, even this one, we kind of threw this one together pretty quick. Uh, it, you know, it was just, it was, it was a pandemic and it was early on in the pandemic. I think we, we, we made it in, um, couple months prior to that but uh but yeah i, I mean it, it's a lot of people you know it's it's raw and it's like singer songwriter i'm I'll, hopefully i'll be doing another one later on this year with uh, awesome. a little bit more full production yeah I'll, hopefully a little bit more full production and and an and a lp instead of an ep but, but yeah it's um, yeah, it, i it's i get uh you know a lot of people a lot of people dug it and um I've, I've had a few people reach out and they've gotten several copies but yeah it was kind of weird putting music out in a pandemic but i think that's what exactly what a what a pandemic needs is art and, you know, putting, putting stuff out like that. Yeah, man. I'm kind of, what was your approach to the future and what it used to be like with that writing? Like I remember the um, Cadillac and butterflies, the opening line for that's just brutal. And it's so like, (laughs) and it just grips you. Like was an approach to like the seven songs that went onto that record? Uh, You know, there wasn't, um, I didn't have like a, there wasn't a, a plan of like a CD, like the whole CD being kind of like, you know, thought out as far as they have something in common. It, it, I, I do want to do one of those, like the Redheaded Stranger CD, like the Willie Nelson CD, Redheaded Stranger You know, like it, it's like a, it tells like a whole story within the CD. And that's one of my goals. Uh, speaking of goals, like is to like, I would like to have, I would like to do a CD so good like that, that they make a movie on it instead of making them, they make the movie first and then, they, and then you make the soundtrack. I would like to make something so good on a CD that it's so, inspires somebody to possibly think about making a movie. But but with those songs, I just went through. I wrote. I was writing so many, so many damn songs at that time, and I just went through. And I was like, I, I, I just. It was. It's so hard to pick. You know, narrow, narrow the songs down to which ones you want. I still, I still second guess it. You know, I think every. I think we all can relate to that. Whenever you're picking the songs to put on a record, but yeah, with those, I just kind of. I think I picked the ones that I took the most time on and the most. I felt that creative, whatever it feels like. It's coming from. Uh, you know, another place sometimes like you don't even really remember writing it, you know, yeah. um, I just get in a, I was getting in zones on those. Most of those songs, I would just get into like these zones and you and it kind of just creates itself. And, you know, you wake up the next day. And it's like, fuck, did I write that? Like, I don't even remember really, you know, it's something coming otherworldly, you know. But uh, but yeah, with that Cadillac and butterflies like that's that was I, I was reading a lot of Charles Bukowski, man. Uh, he's one of my one of my favorite poets and short story. And I just like I know. He's he's brutal at times, and a lot of people don't don't like him. But uh, but yeah, he's I think he just has a way of with the human dialogue. And I was reading so much of his shit, and like that that whole song is every verse it has it's pretty much has something to do with him in there. You know, mm. I was kind of he was helping me, he helped me with writing so much that I, I was I wanted to you know give an ode to him or give a nod to him. Yeah, and, yeah. So like that, uh, yeah. So that, but yeah, the uh, I just I think I just went I just was. I decided to pick the songs that I took the most time on, I think, you know, and that meant the most to me. And what's it been like to him um, co-write? Cause I know you've been working with Lance and I listened to a Geraldine with a, you and Logan. What's it been like to approach like those writers and, you know, create those type of songs? And it's, yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm not, I don't consider myself a songwriter. It's just something I've never done before. And uh, so the one, the few that I have done, like, uh, it's it, it really uh, I learned a lot about it, you know. Um, so, but uh, you know, with that Geraldine, I went to West Virginia to Walter DeBars, mm. me and Walter and uh, and Logan hung out for a day, and I had the they just they they took me around and showed me the best time, man. And then they 
they they they wrote a song right there in front of me and they let me be a part of it and it was you know it's like a it's kind of like a like a soft uh, grunge rock. It was it was a good song, man, and I was honored to be a part of that. So, but then I had that song Geraldine in my head. I had it like halfway finished, and I was like, "Well, boys, since y'all let me be a part of that, I'm gonna if y'all want to be a part of this song." So I just started playing for it, and then Logan went. Logan started right away. He he wrote the verse and in the bridge, and then Walter finished it with his that last part. So that just kind of happened organically. Like we didn't really plan it. You know, I just kind of was gonna. I I figured I was gonna go home and write, finish the song that like that next day because I had half of it finished, but uh. So that just kind of happened organically. And then Lance, we, we just wrote our first one uh, last week. You know, he, we wake we wake up and uh, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and he's like, I'm writing this song, man. I think it's a good one. And we've tried a couple times before, but nothing come about it. And I just I threw a verse in there real quick. So that, that kind of was organic, just out of nowhere. And then I wrote Baby Blue Lies with my friend Lisa out of Alabama. Uh, and that, that kind of like it's it's kind of like this weird thing that happens. I'm not. I'm not one like you know in Nashville they'll they'll have like at noon or at one p.m. they got a write and then at two two thirty they'll have a write and then at four o'clock they have a write and that's definitely not me you know mm-hmm. uh, so it's just something I'm I'm the type that has something special has to be there like that just both you know in, we're both inspired yeah. at the same time but uh, I don't know I, I I look forward to doing more writes but I don't I don't consider myself a co-writer it still feels weird to me you know because mm-hmm. so, I like to like when I'm writing songs I like to go into this this place that it, I feel we you, you know it's like I like to be alone, to be honest with you, like, you know, in solitude and like, and just start thinking and like I, I, being vulnerable by myself. It's easier than doing that with some, with, with, a, yeah. with somebody else. But yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I think that Geraldine song come out pretty good. Um, I, I play that at almost every show and the ones, the, the handful, uh, um, wine in a barrel I wrote with my truck, trucking buddy, uh, Kobe Langham. That's, I think that's the four songs that I've co-wrote. I've, I've wrote uh, a few more with people, but that's the ones that I actually play at gigs and, they, they're all special, you know, it, it don't, it don't feel like you're set down at a certain time and you wrote something. It was just something special happened at that moment. Yeah. And so, yeah. Cool, man. Well, like what's, yeah. you've got a record coming up, like you working on that. Is that something you've got the songs written for already? Like is Memphis to Atlanta in you on? Cause I saw that video on WB's um, showed the other. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, did you say, did you say that was, if that's going to be on the record or not? Or yeah. Is that going to be on the new one or. I don't know. Did you, would you recommend it? Uh, I got like so many songs. Uh, okay, for sure. Yeah, the, thing, the finger picking part, like the quick intro, and then the stabs of the yeah. chorus. Again, it's like, right. you have such an undeniable groove that I don't hear in anyone else, and that cool, song man. is the same type of groove and the type of like swagger that I think encapsulates like your sound without it being. Cool. I, so or, I appreciate like, that. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Like the way you actually took the time to describe that and it, it meant something to me and just said, instead of said, you like the song, which I, that's cool too. But, but yeah, that, uh, I think that does kind of sum up the, what I am. And that's like the first song that I actually started picking a lot more. Like I, I got a weird style of picking. I've always been a thumb picker. I cannot hold on to a pick to save my life. Uh, but, uh, but that song, I kind of, you know, put that intro in there. It's kind of like country mixed with a little blue. Like it's kind of, kind of what that song is kind of what I am. It's a little bit all over the place, but, uh, and I, I did take a, a lot of, I was listening to a lot of country blues when I, when I come up with that, but, but yeah, I think that since you, since you mentioned that one, I probably will put that one on there. <laughs> cool. And what's the kind of plans for the rest of the year? Obviously you've got a West tour, you've got the record and stuff. Are you having any plans to come over to the UK or Europe? Yeah, that's, that's actually speaking of a go. I, I did, I did uh, conquer the majority of goes because I wasn't, you know, uh, now I've got to go back and make some bigger ones, but 
always said like that my one of my ultimate goals is to come out to go to do a, a European tour like I just see like all my favorites have done do it you know and they always talk great about it and like some of the best moments of their life so so yeah man uh maybe we could get something set up but yeah that, that's definitely I might be going to Canada in a, in a couple months to to try to play a couple shows up there but it's it's kind of still close you know but but yeah that's that's definitely a big time goal of mine is to coming out coming out to Europe and, and doing a tour out there but yeah I've just been it's all kind of like coming into place it's I'm kind of keep my I'm not good with time like I, I kind of keep my options open I'm not I'm, I'm horrible with time and shit so all of all of this is just just kind of coming organically together so I'll just keep I'm just, just going to keep rolling this rolling this wave you know rolling with the wave and um hopefully I can I can stay busy, you know, and everything opens back up and we're, everything's normal again. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, we're over the hour mark and I don't want to keep it too long for the rest of the day, but I can't okay. thank you enough for it. Sitting down with you, man. Like I have such an envy of what you thank guys you so are much. doing because like, I saw you and um, Katie were talking about staying up, just trading town songs and stuff. And I was like, why the fuck does my friend who plays a guitar live four hours away from me? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, real quick. Our, I got two questions for you before you get off there. Are, are you ever, did you ever think about coming over to, uh, it's, to, to the U S when everything opens back up? It's the dream to come to the U S like at the moment, what I'm kind of stuck with is obviously, you know, about Brexit where the UK shot itself in the foot and left the U- European oh, yeah. union. So that means that right, touring, right. touring over into Europe now might be as costly as going to the States. Because what, you, what used to happen was I'd literally just get in a van and drive there and then just gig. No, I never got stopped at a border, never got stopped on the ferry, and it cost me like 200 quid to get there, and I've got a camper van, okay. so I just sleep in that, so I don't really care about like right, right. or anything. So if visas right. and things come into play of that, then I will be like Damn. weighing it up to be like, if it costs me three grand to go to Europe, and it costs me four grand to go to the States, I'll right. go to the States because I've never well, been. Right. Well, we, we got, we have to get you over here at some point to do, we'll, we'll set up some shows and stuff mm-hmm. just for the experience, if, if anything, you know? And then the last question I had, uh, are you a Darren Till fan? You, your, your accent reminds me of him. I know he's a, he's an MMA fighter over there. Darren Till. Uh, no, I've not heard of a uh, Darren okay. Till. Is he? I just want, he's like an MMA. He's, he's, I'll, I'll follow him on Instagram and he's, he's a freaking character, man. Yeah. But hit your all's accent are the same. Y'all, is it Liverpool? Yeah, so I live over the water from Liverpool, so I'm not super Scouse. But if people don't know where I'm from, they assume I am Scouse. Yeah. But then people from Liverpool just say I don't have that accent. What a Darren Till, British mixed martial No, you definitely have it, dude. Yeah. You, you definitely have that certain type. It's like a, it's not your average, like, you know, English accent, which is, it's cool as hell. We, people love it over here. Yeah, no, I've just Googled Darren till he is from Liverpool. So, yeah, he is close to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I figured you was from uh, around from Liverpool because I, I hear him talking on Instagram all the time. He's, <laughs> he's a fucking character. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he has that same type of sound, you know, yeah. which is cool as hell. Yeah, but, cool. yeah, man, maybe, maybe, maybe we can set up something. I can, you can come over here and then I can get over there one, at one, some point. 100%, man. If you need any help getting over here, like anything I can do to help that, definitely. And, you know, fuck the shows. I want to you know, hang out with you and trip shrooms and just fuck right. play guitar for a while. Hey, that that's, oh, it's open anytime around here, brother. And that was, of course, James Reed on episode 33 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Thank you so much for listening. I had an absolute blast with this. Please check out James Reed. He's touring all over the States now. He's going to be in Kentucky and just follow his Facebook page for all those dates. 
Keep an eye out for mine and Luke Hendrickson's UK tour across April, May next year of 2022. We can't fucking wait to do it. We hope to see you there. Keep supporting the things you love, guys. Keep doing what you're doing and have a good day. Peace.